This episode of the IDF podcast is presented with support from Takeda, Horizon Therapeutics, CSL Bearing, and Griffles. Welcome to the IDF podcast. This podcast is a service of the Immune Deficiency Foundation, a nonprofit organization with the goal of improving the diagnosis, treatment, and quality of life of those living with primary immunodeficiency. On this episode, we turn to six young people who are longtime volunteers, Cassie Mummert, Darcy Gott, Ethan McGrew, Jesse McCall, Lance McCall, and Victoria Metal to discuss how they navigate the stress of college, postgraduate studies, and mental wellness with primary immunodeficiency. Let's get started. I'm Cassie Mummert. I am 23 years old. I have CVID and I live in Indiana. Um, I'm Darcy. I'm 22 years old. Um, I live in Florida in St. Petersburg. Um, I'm in my first year of law school and I have specific antibody deficiency. I was just trying to figure out if I go next or after Darcy. My name is Ethan McGrew. I'm from Louisiana. I live in Southeast Florida. Um, I'm 22. I have CVID and a bunch of autoimmune and autoinflammatory other diseases. Um, I'm currently in college studying political science. I'm dating Cassie. That's about all. I'm Lance McCall. I'm 24 from Ocala, Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm studying nursing. Uh, 24 living in Ocala with common variable immune deficiency. My name is Jesse. I am 21, almost 22. Um, next week, I have common variable immune deficiency. I have several other comorbid autoimmune diseases. I live in Tallahassee, currently attending Florida State University. I'm in my junior year of my bachelor's degree. Um, I'm dating Victoria Metal, who will go up next. That's about it. My name is Vicki Metal. Um, I am 20 years old. I currently live in New Jersey. Um, I'm in my junior year of my bachelor's degree. Um, I'm on, on the pre-med track. Uh, I hope to be applying to medical school in the spring. Um, I was diagnosed with an unspecified immune deficiency when I was 14. I'm still undergoing evaluation for that. Um, I have a couple of other autoimmune diseases on top of that, and I am dating Jesse. The IDF has been apparently a bit of a matchmaker for some of us here. All right. So in light of all that, how have you guys been doing with like mental stuff and finals? Um, I know Darcy's had her finals. Ethan's had his finals. Vic's having her finals. This is final week. Finals week for me. I have four this week. It's and I don't have finals till May. Lance is currently doing his gap year. Discovering himself or whatever. Caring for grandparents. Let's start with Let's start with Darcy, because Darcy's got them law school exams, and I'm mildly curious. Oh, I don't know if you want to be curious, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a couple words from Lynn Albizo, the vice president of public policy at IDF. Um, law school finals are deadly. <laughs> They're deadly, okay? Because the big thing to remember is that law school finals for most of your classes are 100% of your grade. Um or like a very, very hefty part of your grade, like at least 75%. And then also your final grade depends on how everybody else in the class does. So your raw score in the end doesn't really matter, I guess. Like somebody who gets like a 60% on a final could still end up with like a 3.5 GPA. So that adds a lot of stress to it. Um, I have felt like a hermit the last two weeks, just not leaving my condo and just studying everything that I know. <laughs> uh, and it was a very, it was very stressful. Uh, and a lot of people noticed that uh, I had one, I had my IVIG the day before one of my finals and it was the one final that was closed book. <laughs> my nurse my nurse was like, you have you have high blood pressure right now. And like, I can physically see the stress 
like radiating off of you. <laughs> like you need to calm down. Um, but yeah, it's then in the first year of law school too, they always tell you it's like like the worst year of law school because it's like a weed out year. Like they throw you into all these difficult courses. Like you don't have any experience in this type of class. You know, you get cold called on, on the readings. You actually have to do all of the readings, including the footnotes to, to pass. Um, you know, everybody else is like super competitive or can be super competitive and they're very strict about their rules. Um, and, you know, you're also trying to balance like work life. Um, I mean, there's there's so much work that goes into the first year of law school that we actually had to like sign a document saying that we wouldn't have a job during our first year uh, unless we like needed one to survive. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how finals went for me. Um, I will tell you, though, there were some. There were some interesting uh, questions on my finals. I think the professors have a lot of fun coming up with these like random situations for us to write thousands of words on. So you have to yeah. keep yourself amused. If I when if I'm gonna be a college professor, I'm totally doing stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't like say exactly what was on the final, but I could see I could imagine some of my professors writing this and laughing to themselves and being like. I guarantee at least a couple of students are going to laugh when they see this question. Or cry. One of the two, you know. Yeah. Yeah. A good cry that, laugh is always nice. Yeah. The other thing too, that's weird is that grading is completely confidential. So the professors like have no idea who you are when they're grading the final. You just have like a number and you put your number on all of your exams. They're not even allowed on campus when you take your exams. Um, so you're not allowed to like email them at all about anything specific to your final. Um, and I don't even think they're allowed to respond to you until after they graded your finals. So they keep every, it's, it's just to maintain like an unbiased environment. They don't want to risk the personal feelings of the professors affecting how they grade your final. So that's why they keep everything as confidential as possible. So what you're telling me is legally blonde is not accurate. No, it is not. <laughs> Dang it. Well, I don't know. Maybe there are other law schools that do non-confidential grading. Uh, and there are some classes, like my writing class was non-confidential, but my other three classes, like I, they had very strict rules. You were not allowed to put your name on anything relating to the final. Interesting. And you had how many finals? Two? Three? Um, I had three. Well, three. But you're done, right? You're done until next semester? Yeah. And then I get to start it all over again. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. What about I already got my grades in uh, last week, the sixth somehow. And I somehow have a 98. I don't understand. Wow. I, I only missed two on the final. And the final was 30% of my grade and had 30 bonus points. So the only thing I can think of is the final could go over 100 maybe i don't know um but finals week i was in the hospital or whatever and if it wasn't for my accommodations um and like my teacher being letting me take the final like two days late and turn in a bunch of late work because before i had a test that i had missed which was 10 percent of my grade a bunch of other things i had missed and the final i had missed i had like a 58 so i was like that wouldn't be good um, but luckily I got all that done. It was just really important to keep my like teacher updated with, uh, yeah. So I know I've already asked for a lot of extensions this semester because I've had two eye surgeries and now I've been in the hospital, but like, can I please have an extra two days? <laughs> and she was very nice and let me have the extended time, um, so that's done for. So that's good. I'm very happy about that. I was like, whenever I saw the grade get posted, I was like, I hope this isn't a mistake. I kept checking back and I kept checking back. And the next day it was still a 98. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not going to message anyone. I don't know how this is happening, but I'll take it. Um, 
I only was taking one class this semester because I knew I was going to have a bunch of eye surgeries. And so I didn't want to like overload myself. I normally only do half time anyway, but I've been lucky enough to have a lot of very, very accommodating um, professors and everything. And I go to like a community college and everything here locally. And so they basically just took my 504 and IEP from, well, I guess middle school because I didn't exactly go to high school, but um, they just took my old IEP in 504 and gave me almost all of the same accommodations wherever it was. I get double time on tests if I need, um, or I get extended due dates for my health. The double time on tests because I'm also very dyslexic, um, but the extended due dates has come extremely in handy with all of the different health challenges, whether if it's traveling for doctors. One of my first sem semesters, I had um, a real big paper that I had to write and then present in front of the class. But I had to go to Arizona to see my autonomic neurologist. And luckily, they let me present my paper on a different day because basically it was a um, argument of reasoning class. And there were 12 topics and you got assigned we each had to write a paper on all of the 12 topics, but one of the paper was the big one that you had to present and was like way bigger than the others. Um, and so of course that's the week I'm going to have to go to Arizona on. Um, but they let me present on a different day. Thanks to my accommodation and stuff like that. It was really important, like getting to know the disability office and um, I don't know if I don't, they may have changed it to student services. One of the two, I don't remember exactly what it's called nowadays since I've been there for so long. Um, but if it, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a, a GPA like I have a 3.8 or whatever. It's purely because of the accommodations, which is good. Cause like with all the health problems that all of us have, we all require different assistance to like be able to do like the basics that everybody else can just because of normal people don't have to go to the doctor like ever or manage their infusions like, like darcy said doing her ivig the day before finals that would kick my butt i could not do that especially a closed book one um i would have not done well to say the least i have pretty severe day after post ivig hangovers um to say the least, usually. I plan on being down for a day and a half, two days, and if it's a bad one, then three. And my little sister, she gets IVIG. She's only been on it for a year or two now, and she has three solid days of just real bad hangovers from it. Uh, Jesse, Vicki, you guys are currently going through finals, right? How has that been? <laughs> Tiring. <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, it's also, I've also been um, off of my infusions since May. So I'm struggling, to say the least. Um, doing everything on top of school, um, being an adult, doing adult things, um, and taking care of my grandmother. I'm incredibly privileged to do everything that I do, but at the end of the day, it does exhaust me quite a lot. Um, and I'm also, I have around four finals and a final paper due this week and next week. So um, I am a big ball of stress <laughs> right now. So um, for me, it's definitely my, my, my mental health definitely as a physical manifestation. Um, I've had a couple of days throughout the semester where I've had really, really bad pain flares um, from fibromyalgia. And um, I notice, especially when I'm um, like doing a lot more physical activity or intensive labor or um, when I have exams that I'm stressed out about, then um that's when my body suffers so i think it's really important that you that i and every all of us take the time to um take care of ourselves even just a little bit if it's an extra hour of sleep or if it's doing something that we love like 
talking to each other, for example, it, it really makes a world of difference. So. I know whenever I'm under tons of stress, my biggest thing is I don't sleep. My sleep goes way down. I wake up at like seven in the morning, almost exactly right now for no reason. And that's just, that's my biggest manifestation is how poor my already poor sleep gets. Yeah, yeah. for me doing exams. Sorry, go ahead. You go. I already spoke. <laughs> so for me doing exams, I've taken, uh, this semester has been 12 credit hours, which isn't the most I've done in the semester, but it's the most I've done at FSU. I'm still new to getting used to FSU. Um, I started FSU this past spring. So this is my second semester at FSU. It's weird. Being without family, or just really in general, being with family is my, it's my happiness. It's my calmness. It's where I find the most rest. It's where I find the most comfort. Um, during spring semester, I'm like, I got to go home for spring break and I got to go home for this, that, and the other. And it just seemed like there was several different breaks that I could take over spring semester. And I got to go home and it wasn't fun, but I didn't feel like I was without family. This semester has been absolute just booty because I have been, <laughs> it's been Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I've had classes all day. Like, so I'm on campus from usually 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. Monday, Wednesday, and then half of that on Friday. Tuesday, Thursdays is when I have to fit in time to do like homework and housework and try to keep up some semblance of a social life and also, um, like try to make time with friends and family. It's been a lot. So I have not gotten to come home very much this past semester. So this semester has felt like it has literally lasted an eternity. I'm so glad the semester is almost over. But I have four exams before I can finish the semester. And they are killing me. I was up from, I was writing a study guide from 8 o'clock to after midnight last night. I went to bed, woke up, and then from like nine o'clock until 1.30 this afternoon, I finished writing that same study guide. So I've worked eight hours on a study guide for an exam that will last one and a half hours. If I don't get a good grade on the exam, I'll still pass. <laughs> I'll still pass, but I'm not gonna get an A, which means my GPA is going to drop a little bit, which isn't bad in the grand team of things. It's not bad, but I have a 4.0 GPA at FSU. I like my 4.0. All my other classes, I have A's. If I don't do good on this exam, I'm not going to get an A. And now I'm having trouble with a professor because he's not wanting to accept some late work, which if he doesn't accept the late work, it's going to put a B in that class. And I can't do anything about that class either. So stress is just stressing all over. Um, I think I'm going to finish the semester, go home, and I wish I could go home and sleep for an entire week or two or the entire break like a bear, just hibernate. Um, but because of not being able to go home for this semester, I have several doctor's appointments lined up. So my Christmas break is filled with doctor's appointments and minor medical procedures and everything and trying to plan for next semester and doing the same exact thing. Yeah, that big ball of stress, it's it's me too. I don't, I don't know. Try to take it one day at a time. And then Florida weather literally hates me. Yesterday, it was in the high 80s. Today, it's in the 50s. And it goes back and forth. Everyone around me is getting sick, which means the guy with the weakened immune system is the only one not getting sick, which is a miracle in itself because I don't have time to get sick. 
So we are, we are alive. We are pushing. Uh, mental health is squeaking, squeaking by, just, just barely. We're still here. That's what matters. Yeah, um, that's kind of how I felt when I was when I was in that semester. I'm very glad that I at least can breathe a little bit. Uh, but definitely, when I was in the in the weeds, it was it was tough to sift through it um, because you know, yeah, we don't really have many assignments to turn in, but not the school, but the American Bar Association actually has like a requirement that you cannot miss more than five classes in a given uh, course or else you cannot sit for the final. And that's just how it is. Um, that's not something, that's not a school regulation. That's like the American Bar Association saying that. Um, so I was very stressed out and also because of how much you have to learn. So I will say in law school, you have this thing called an outline, which is, I guess, very similar to a study guide. It's essentially a condensed version of everything that you've learned in the class. Now think we have to, uh, so no, uh, if there's like a very extreme medical emergency, uh, Basically, it's once you hit that five class mark, the school will send you a message and say, you've reached your limit. Um, you miss another day of class. You're not going to sit for the final, thus you'll fail. Um, and at that point is when you would have to send in like a doctor's note or something to basically explain like, hey, I was in the hospital for these days or, you know, I had a death in the family, so I couldn't. And then they'd have to approve it based off of that. Um, but I remember reading when I was going into law school that like accommodations for absences is not a thing. So I don't have any accommodations right now because of that. That was my only accommodation in college was um, not being penalized for absences um, when they relate to being sick and also dorming accommodations, but I, I live in a condo now, so that's not an issue either. Um, but yeah, it was a lot because I would read anywhere between two and 500 um, pages a week um, that I would be cold called on. Um, and there's 85 other people in the room um, on the same thing. Um, oh, there's a lot of things that I could say about the about the Bar Association and things that need to change. Um, but, and then you have to think that this outline could be anywhere between like 20 and 80 pages for a person. And that's the condensed version of a class. So yeah, when I was going through and trying to figure out, you know, what should I put on here? What shouldn't I put on here? And now I have to learn all of it, especially for the closed book exam. I had to learn all of that. And it's not just learning the material. It's also knowing how to apply the material so you can memorize it anybody could memorize the information that you're given but in law school it's all about how your brain works and being able to recognize when to apply what you've learned so how most if not all law school finals are structured is you have multiple choice where we'll give you a little scenario and you have to answer a multiple choice question based on that scenario where it's like you know i don't know something like what should their next step be or what do you think the court will will say? Or if you were in this position, what would you do? What's your best move? And then at the end, you'd have a fat essay question where they give you like three pages worth of a story. And you'd have about three to five questions that are in essay form about it. So you'd ask, you know, I don't know, something like, based on this part, you know, do you agree with what the court said? What would you do if you were on defense? What would you do if you were a prosecutioner? things like that. So that also puts a lot of stress on it too. Um, and it's a very crunched amount of time. It's a four hour exam, but uh, your professors will come out and tell you, like my, my civil procedure professor was telling us, like, I don't expect you to finish the exam because it's so long in four hours. Um, so <laughs> that was very stressful. <laughs> I just had to keep reminding myself that I was there, 
that I had to keep reminding myself that I was there for a reason. And like, I haven't messed up yet in class. So, you know, hope that I don't mess up now. Uh, I haven't done anything to, to not prove myself. So, yeah. I think that's something we have to keep reminding ourselves about is that we're almost there. We just got to, we have to keep pushing. We're going to see our families. We're going to be with the people we love. And we are in this uh, career or in this journey for a reason. And I have no doubt that each and every one of us um, has a purpose in their um, set field. So we're going to do great. We're all in this together. <laughs> yes. We just have to keep pushing. We're almost there, though. I think all of you guys are amazing. So I give you all props. I mean, I've not been, I, I didn't get to participate in the fall semester due to recovery from spinal surgery that happened over the summer, which did take its own physical toll on my mental health. Um, definitely have physical manifestations for me when I turn into a stress anxiety ball. Um, one of the big ones is that I tried to withdraw from people and then that backfired. I did recently have to cut somebody off entirely out of my life because they were not good for my mental health, uh, which I should have done about a year ago. There you go. My phone wasn't working. <laughs> it would not unmute. Yes, that was a long time coming. I'm so very proud of you. I know that was a hard decision, but sometimes your mental health or always your mental health has to come over other people's feelings. And as um, like, blunt as that sounds to a lot of people and it even sounds blunt to myself saying it your mental health was taking a giant toll because of someone else's feelings so I'm very proud of you Lance for taking that leap and getting out from underneath that one person's feelings um, I know it was hard I don't know if you guys have any like coping mechanisms for mental health or when you start getting anxious or depressed or you know start feeling any stress or you know those crazy emotions um but one thing that my mom has actually helped me with when I was going through a really rough time when with my mental health and like I was not in a good place at all um she actually we were on our way home from one of my more probably probably actually my most uh, like hardest appointment uh, mentally and she asked me what my favorite color was and I said purple and she asked me to say something that like what was purple and I said a grape but it was like a two and a half hour drive home and so this whole conversation lasted um, over the whole drive and basically we came up with what is called the grape journal and gee I had to come up with a positive word for every letter and grape. So G is grateful. R is rewarding. Uh, A is attitude. P is positive. And then E is encouraging. And every day, my mom, when we got home, she made me this, took a composition book, um, got some like scrapbook paper um, that was purple, put it on the front, like glued it on and decorated it for me. Um, and made me a bracelet out of different purple beads that's, and then letters that spelled grape. And every day I had to write um, at least three positive things that happened in a day, like in that day. And they had to pertain to grateful, rewarding, attitude, positive, or encouraging. And, and then for every, um, I guess, like journal entry that I did, for every positive thing I put in the journal, I got these purple like glass beads and I got to fill a vase. And then if it didn't have a good day, I would fill, if I didn't have like three things to write about, then the two, say I only wrote one positive thing, then the two empty spaces or not positive things were just like a clear like glass bead or a different color. And so then over the course of a year, filling up the vase, you could see how many good days you had versus bad. Um, and so it was pretty cool, like to see that, like to see the growth over the year. Cause as you like fill up your vase, you can see, at least for me, I got to see that I was having more 
good days than bad. And I still actually use the journal to this day. I actually have it right here with me. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you guys have any fun, uh, I guess, fun or ways that you guys cope with mental health. Wow. Um, that starts you with a quirky. Sorry, Lance. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, for, for me, um, I have a very hard time of setting when my boundaries are overstepped and cutting people off. Um, and taking a gap semester for me was extremely mentally challenging um, because I thrive on structure and working towards a goal and I was not able to get everything done in time um, nor was I cleared to go back to nursing so it left me with a lot of stress and anxiety of am I going to be able to keep up with it come January when I start back because I got out of that routine um, and then also like I know for this course there's a big behavioral concept one that goes through a lot of different mental health disorders. Um, and I know for me, having to learn and then actually apply the knowledge in front of a patient on a psych hold is extremely terrifying and stressful, um, especially knowing that in the psych hospital that I'll be in, all the doors are locked, so you can't retreat um and you become the sole person that cares for them so definitely dealing with that but then dealing with the stress of everything else because we also have our normal clinicals where we do like this week of eight hours days at the hospital where we make no money and we are heavily scrutinized um and we have to deal with combative patients and patients that don't appreciate us being there and doing our assessments and finding that right language to deal with them, but also not taking that home. That is a big thing for me is taking the stress from school and when I'm at clinicals home with me. And then it spills over into my personal life and that involved with family and friends um, makes me definitely want to just disappear um, into my room or there have been times and it's actually gotten to the point of self-harm ideas. Um, and then those I have found it very important to reach out to the friends that are actually healthy for me um, to help bring me back to, I am in the right field, I am in the right thing, I am doing what I need to do. Yes, it sucks, but it will get better. So that's kind of where I'm at, but I don't know how to manage stress of school yet because that's going to have to be learned when I get back into the actual stress of school instead of the stress of not being in school on top of me being the only one in my house who now has to care for both my mom and grandmother. And grandmother has recently, after an injury, become 100% reliant on somebody else to do anything and everything. Um, so I also balance that, hoping to take care of her and then secondly, mom cares for her, but then I also need to care for mom sometimes. So it's just the stress of life, school, and navigating is definitely hard. And then add in with the PI, um, so that can cause the mental health. And then like, I know for me, I have like four days after IVIG that I am just dead to the world, don't feel that good. And those are often times when I really struggle mentally because I don't have the energy to fight the thought um, because I already feel so bad. And it's like, okay, I feel this bad. Why am I even still doing it? Um, but then that's when I go back to friends and family and my therapist and find healthy coping mechanisms and strategies to do it, which I know. Um, playing with my RC cars or crocheting or recently my family have had an abundance of vinyl projects that they need made um, so it's very therapeutic when I sit down and have to pick out little pieces of vinyl from a cut design um, 
I love good repetitive tasks like that in the past. Um, I've done stuff like coloring whenever it's real bad. Or I remember one night I was really bad and, and I was just doing a repetitive task like that, listening to a podcast and everything. But you were also talking about having to jump back into school after taking gaps or whatever. I've had to drop two or three different semesters with a W over my course of college and everything like that. Um, and one time it was a full year in a row, I think. And it's really, at least for me, it wasn't as bad jumping back into it as as like it could seem. Um, you really, especially after that, once you learn what you like and you like, for me, it was the biggest thing is like how I like to collect materials and stuff that I need to learn um, or getting everything set up on my computer a certain way so I can have it all like I need it for me to be able to intake the information. Once I figured that out, you don't really lose that type of base, like understanding of, oh, this is how I have to study. It can, I, it was hard getting back into the routine of, okay, I need to get up and I need to not waste the first hour and a half of the day. I need to get up, shower, eat, or get up, shower, watch my show, then do school type of thing. Um, so whenever you do have to take gap gaps like that, it really does suck. And I've used to struggle a lot with like feeling bad about having to take a W or whatever from a class, but I got better at accepting that sometimes that's just the, the cards get dealt. You gotta, you gotta drop the class if you don't want to have to have a, a W or you have to take the semester because as you said, you had surgery. And another thing, too, I think, is that we all need to remember to give ourselves grace, which is something that I have had to learn and has been a really, like, tough pill for me to swallow, um, is, like, remembering that I can't do it all, and that's okay. Like, or, like, yes, you're pushing yourself now, but in the end, it will pay off, like, so go ahead and, like, use your accommodations or take the breaks when you need, because in the end, like, it's all going to work out anyway. Um, and it's better to give yourself grace and like go at your own pace than try to push yourself too far. That was a principle that I also learned pretty early on too. Um, especially especially when I went to high school, I think my mindset shifted from, oh, you have to be a complete perfectionist in school to just do your best, do what you can. If you don't succeed, just keep trying. Um, and especially when you're taking care of someone to a, a coping mechanism or a way I find I recharge, it's really, really simple, but, um, my grandma and I, we will usually watch shows together. So our favorites are like true crime and, um, CSI Miami and all those like police detective sort of sh shows. So what I will do is I'll usually, um, lay in bed with her or sit beside her while she watches her show and I'll do work and it's a really simple task but it kind of makes the work feel like it's not as taxing just being with her um and I I've taken more time out of my day it's not just you know taking care of her and um, making sure that um all of our tasks and chores are managed, but it's also making sure that she feels good mentally, that she feels okay. Um, it, um, I, what we do is we'll play chess together. Um, whenever we have a moment, we love watching movies. Um, sometimes we'll sit outside on the patio and just talk. And it's really the quality time that we spend together that really makes a huge difference. And I find that when I'm with her and that um, in, in caring for her, um, she feels a lot less alone and a lot more independent. And if that makes sense, because she was the one that uh, raised me basically because both of my parents were working. Um, so from a very, very young age, I depended on her. And now it's this shift where she depends on me for almost everything, taking her to appointments, 
I'm also, you know, watching over my siblings too on, on days um, where my parent, both of my parents are working. Um, so it's a lot to juggle, but through this experience, I really found that, you know, taking care of her and taking care of my family and spending time with them really fulfills me and gives me a sense of purpose. So it's, it's really, it's really a, a simple act, but just spending time with the people you love and the people you care about, um, it really makes a huge difference, I think, in taking away um, a level of stress. I yeah. wouldn't have been neighbor. Yeah. Um, for me, um, I'm glad in a way that when you get into law school, and you start, it's a totally different experience from college and it's a whole new way of working, living, thinking. And so I really had to learn quick how to study right and how to manage my time because especially during that first year, it's just an abundance of reading and assignments and the fear of getting cold called and applications. And you know they want you to have a job by the summer and things like that. Um, and so, there are a couple of things that I have found in terms of like starting school up again, I guess, um, that have helped. So the first thing is literally sitting down with a calendar and like writing out blocks of time that cannot be moved and not just the stuff that you have to do for school, but also stuff that you have to do for my, for yourself. So for me, for instance, like one thing that I do is three times a week, I do boxing class and it helps me de-stress. I've always done um, like athletic work and sports to help me de-stress. I like to physically release all of that pent up tension in my body. And so it's Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5.30 PM and Saturdays at 8.15. And it's like, unless I cannot move something during that time. Like I'm not doing anything else other than boxing during those times. So every morning, you know, Luke stays here and he cleans. I'm going to go to the gym on Saturday mornings and I'm going to do my boxing. Cause if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind. You know, like I think people, especially in law school forget there's this big myth that your entire life has to be law school, your entire life, 24 seven, needs to be law school. And I, and that is just a complete myth. Um, Cause what's going to happen is very quickly, you're going to burn out and those physiological side effects of the stress are going to hit you a lot harder and a lot quicker than if you're willing to take time out of your day, out of your week, out of your month to not worry about law school. Um, and so that was something that I had to learn rather quickly. Um, and thankfully, because I learned that having that time set out that I'm just, you know, I'm not budging on that time for myself um, has helped me a lot. Like when I was planning for my finals for studying, I knew that I had to donate like a lot of time to studying. I think the registrar recommended like 32 hours per class or something, which is a lot of time out of out of your day. But at the same time, I was like, if I do this schedule that they sent me, I'm, I'm not going to make it <laughs> like, like I won't make it to the last final. I'm going to be dead on the floor. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> so what I did was I, cause I'm a big, like formulaic logic person is I had a giant Excel spreadsheet, the entire finals period from the first day of the reading period to the last day of my finals. And I put in, okay, these are when my finals are, these are when my when I have stuff that like I need to do with family so I don't lose my mind. Like I didn't do any studying on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is a huge holiday in my family. Um, so I was like, I can't, I can't do any studying that day. And there were other things that I really wanted to do that I, you know, could work around. And so what I did was I still got all those hours in, but I was able to work them around what I knew I needed to do to maintain myself. Because when I get way overstressed, it gets me into a lot of trouble because I make irrational decisions. Um, when I get way too stressed, like I was getting my last final for contracts. I was getting so stressed out because at the last minute he changed 
the rules on what we could bring to our final. And so everybody was freaking out because everybody had to change everything that they were going to bring and they had to reword stuff. And so I called, I was like, Oh my God, mom, I don't know what's what, what I'm going to do. Like I have to go over these 30 pages again and make sure that there's, there's nothing that he says we can't bring. And thankfully, because I was able to take a little bit of time out of that, I was able to figure it out. And I didn't, I didn't overstress and make irrational decisions. So that was good. So big thing is, is making sure that you literally block out time, like sit down with your calendar or your planner or whatever it is that you use to track, you know, whatever it is that you do, like literally block out time out of your day, week, month for yourself and, and stick to it. Um, so there's that. And I mean, making sure that like, especially in school, having people outside of school that you can vent to, because sometimes you just need to vent. Like you just need to like, get it out. Just be like, Oh, I can't believe he's doing this. Like, I can't believe this professor is doing this test right now. Like it is killing me. <laughs> um, but you know, you can't necessarily do that to other people in your class. Um, so like having people outside of that, I guess, uh, area where you're getting all your stress, having people separate, having, having a, a safe space outside of wherever your most of your stress comes from is also very helpful. Um, you know, Luke does, he, he's in it, he doesn't know anything about the law. So I just go to them and be like, I cannot believe this professor thinks it's okay to do this. Like what makes him think that this is a good idea? <laughs> um, and then like, if we're both feeling stressed, we'll just go out and like go for a walk. Cause we live pretty close to the water. So it's definitely a learning curve for your stress and like everybody handles it differently. But I would recommend as a starting point, like exercise does help. I mean, don't over push yourself, you know, start with a walk or something. Um, but making sure that like you do make time for yourself and that you have a safe space outside of wherever your stress is coming from is really, really going to help anyone, like everybody, honestly. So, I mean, I think it, we have to remember that we are human before we're anything else. So if we don't care, take care of ourselves, we're not going to perform well in academia life or professional life or even dealing with a PI. If we neglect ourselves, it's going to have a chain reaction. Look, I already said I'm not a human. I'm a permanently exhausted pigeon. I said this at the Teen Escape and I stand by it. I think you guys are all amazing though for everything that we all like you guys have gone through and what we all go through like you know because in some roundabout way we all understand even though we might not have like the same problems we still feel you know what the other is feeling so I give you all props for how you handle it and how far you guys have come and what all you guys are doing and I know with Jesse um which Jesse's my brother I have found that when he take care of himself before other things, um, <laughs> he should do more, that he often is a much happier and better student and gets better grades. So it's also important to encourage those of you that are in the same path of life to take care of themselves. I agree completely. If you don't take care of yourself first, then you're going to do bad. There are days where I just, I'm, I, I can, I can sit here at my computer. I can try and do school. I can stare at the screen. I can listen to all the book. I can do three hours of school or whatever and get nothing done. I just stare and it's just, I'm just glazed over. And it's just because I don't feel good. Eyes. And I know that I, that I am not mentally capable of intaking and processing new data or information. And on those days it sucks, but why waste your time there? I, I've just had to learn to be like, I just can't do school today. I'll go do something else. I'll do housework. I'll 
play games on the computer. I'll draw or something. I'll just be like, I just cannot. Like today's not a day where I can intake information. It just isn't. And so it it can be real hard to accept that sometimes even if you feel physically okay enough to like sit here and do something, um, if you're not mentally able to do it, it doesn't matter. Like for me, this this round table group of friends is honestly the best thing that's ever come in my life with PI because that you you'll have friends and family that are receptive and they understand to an extent you or the challenges that come up with um PI or chronic life. Like for instance, many people can understand, okay, yeah, I don't feel good today. Let's cancel the dinner we had. But that's never gonna be the understanding that it is if you cancel dinner with somebody who has a similar condition who actually understands the little nuances of it and the heartbreak of when you have to send that message saying, hey, I have to cancel, I don't feel good, or hey, I'm under the weather, I can't do this last minute. That finding the one that truly knows it inside and out is hard. And when you find them, keep them. Trade them for trash and keep them. The moral of the story, guys. Um, <laughs> if you neglect yourselves, <laughs> you neglect the people you care about. You can't perform well. Take care of yourselves. Um, and appreciate every moment that you're given. Be grateful for every experience that you have. Um, and we are in the path that we're supposed to be at. And then we have to remind ourselves of that. That is my two cents. Wise man once said, if you neglect yourself, you wreck yourself. Just saying. Um, that's my two cent. Yeah. I love y'all so much, but I really need to get going because I have an exam. Thank you for listening to the IDF podcast. To donate, volunteer, or learn more about primary immunodeficiency, visit primaryimmune.org.